On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcasts platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, closing in on the Kinnahans. Drug busts, cocaine seizures, and targeting trusted lieutenants. It's been quite the headache for the Kinnahan organised crime gang recently, as Gardaí close in on its wider cartel network here in Ireland. Now, it's understood that this drugs operation is linked to the Kinahan Organised Crime Group and the Assistant Commissioner for Serious and Organised Crime, Justin Kelly, has described this seizure as very substantial. Since leaving Ireland, it is believed they have expanded to the extent that the OCG operates at a global level and has accumulated wealth that may well exceed one billion. And Spanish police have been busy too, cracking encrypted phone chats that show the Kinahan cartel were part of a plan to ship 350 million euros worth of cocaine to Europe in early 2020. And then there were more revelations last Friday when a 43-year-old GAA volunteer, Seamus Walsh, admitted to selling his passport in 2011, which was then later used by one Daniel Kinahan. You know, at the time, Walsh said that he was in the, the throes of a drug addiction. He was addicted to heroin. It's indicative of the kind of people that the likes of the Kinahan organisation prey on, uh, people who are... Uh, completely vulnerable uh, in the depths of a drug addiction or alcohol addiction. But what do these sentencing and seizures mean for the Kinnahans? And are they now in survival mode? I'm Siobhan Maguire and joining me today is Irish independent journalist Robin Schiller. Robin, you were in Dundalk District Court last Friday to hear this case involving Seamus Walsh and his passport. What happened? So basically, Seamus Walsh, who was a 43-year-old man from Mountain View, Crescent and Dock, was up for sentencing in relation to passport offences. Now, he had pleaded guilty to selling a passport contrary to the Passport Act 2008. Now, you might ask, why is this significant or of interest to us? Um, the significance of that is that the passport he sold, he fraudulently obtained and sold, was being used by none other than Daniel Kinahan. For how long, we actually don't know, but what we do know is that it was sold on in around late 2011 and was only revoked in 2017. So for at least five or six years, Daniel Kinnan couldn't be using that passport under the name Seamus Walsh to travel around Europe and the world, more than likely to Dubai and all that, uh, to try evade law enforcement, evade other people who may be looking for him. And it's uh, quite significant that Gardaí have managed to track, trail back where this passport came from. And I suppose the sad circumstances and how it came to be as well that this passport was sold on by a vulnerable person and came into the hands of Daniel Kinnan. 
Yeah, because what you heard in court last week was that Seamus Walsh, at the time that this transaction happened, um, was uh, on heroin, a very serious drug addiction, and he got a bit of money from the Kinnahans. Not a huge pile when you consider how often that passport might have been used around the place. Uh, Yeah, fairly, fairly little sums, insignificant sums compared to what it was used for. I think uh, there was evidence from Garda Phelan McKenna from the Garda NBCI who was led this prosecution and he told the court that in Garda interviews uh, Seamus Walsh said that he sold it for about €2,000 to uh, what he described as a traveller man he didn't know otherwise um, and also a drug dealer I believe he described as as well and you know at the time Walsh said that he was in the, the throes of a drug addiction he was addicted to heroin his father only recently died he uh, was at I suppose the worst time in his life is what his defence barrister Ronan O'Carroll said it's indicative of the kind of people that the likes of the Killing Organisation prey on uh, people who are uh, completely vulnerable uh, in the depths of a drug addiction or alcohol addiction and people are just at the worst uh, time of their life and they prey on that um, paying measly sum really of €2,000 for their passport which then used by Daniel Kinnan to fly around the world. And as you say it's, it's a pretty sad story um, Seamus Walsh is 43 now and when you saw him in court last week I mean he he has made so many efforts to turn his life around He has and his defence partner said as much as well um, we have to take into account that this offence happened about 12 years ago so it has taken a long time to come to court and since then he he's gotten off heroin he's been clean for about 5 or 6 years He's now a carer, the sole carer for his mother, who's uh, quite ill. Uh, we won't go into details of her illnesses, but she's quite ill. She's uh, She needs a wheelchair and she simply needs him to provide for her. Uh, a local gag club also gave him testimonies about how he volunteers there every Sunday. He coaches a juvenile team and he helps around the club. So he seems to be a bit of a community man now. And it's a complete change from the person who 12 years ago was in the depths of a heroin addiction and sold his passport on for €2,000. So it shows that he has managed to turn his life around uh, to an extreme extent in fairness. Despite that, the judge sitting at the Circuit Court, Dara Hayes, said that it is a very serious offence and in spite of all the uh, improvements Seamus Walsh made in his life, he still faced the prospect of a custodial sentence. We won't have sentencing until April, is that right? Yeah, April 25th. So the judge said that he, he'd also heard the testimonies from uh, Seamus Walsh's defence barrister, but he wanted further evidence of this. In particularly, he wanted medical reports on Seamus Walsh's mother, and he also wanted urine analysis tests to confirm that Seamus Walsh is actually clean of heroin, as he says he has been. Robin, is it fair to say that there seems to be an awful lot of activity in terms of, of swooping in on the Kinnahans at the moment? Uh, I think there's always activity going on in the background, and we probably don't even know the half of it or a, a minute bit of what's going on. But um, yeah, this week particularly, they've been in the headlines. Uh, the Seamus Walsh thing is one part of it, obviously, and that password news by Danny Kinnan. And also, you had uh, Ross Browning, who was a senior figure within that crime gang, uh, being hit for over one million euro worth of assets by the Criminal Assets Bureau. So there's also been drug seizures. We can't go into too many of them now for legal reasons, but it has been a, it was a hefty week last week for the Kinnan organisation. And Gardy are obviously continuing those efforts from last year, from those sanctions being imposed, to finally bring an end to the Kinnan cartel and their leadership as well. So Robin, you mentioned Ross Browning and as you say, he is back in the news due to his 1.7 million euro judgment by cab. Um, Who is he? You might remind us. Ross Browning 
the High Court even accepted that. He's a senior figure of the uh, Kinnan Organised Crime Gang. He's been involved in that outfit for the best part of 20 years. He's from the Northern City originally and would have grown up with a lot of people who are uh, prominently involved in that crime group. Uh, he's a convicted armed robber in around 2001, I think, when he's still a teenager. He's involved in the cash and transit robbery with two other men. And he, I suppose, shot up in the ranks since then. In 2007, he was at Christopher Kinnan Jr.'s wedding, which I was standing in the group. Um, later that year, he was also involved in a, a scheme or a, I suppose what might have been constructed as a legitimate business, but certainly uh, there's question marks over that with a Stephen Fowler, who was also described in the court as a member of the Kinnan gang. They had a building business together and another business later on that year. Uh, by around 2009, he moved to Spain, where again, he was embedded with this crime gang. So much so that I think there's records cab obtained that he invested around forty thousand euro from his bank account into the a Spanish bank account in Estebona linked to a corporation linked to Daniel Kinnan himself, and the High Court heard that that was used to invest money in Brazil. Uh, he was obviously arrested as part of Operation Shovel, that massive uh, European police initiative against the cartel in 2010. And you know, he returned to Ireland in around 2010, 2011, where uh, I suppose the fruits of his links to the cartel were evident to Gardaí. He began uh, buying you know, fairly well-to-do properties uh, in North Dublin particularly, but he also had links to Limerick properties and he was splashing the cash and you know all that, uh, all the money spent and all the, from the from ill-gotten gains, it must be said, uh, culminating in that cab case finishing last week. There were some amazing details disclosed from uh, what cab seized last week, uh, Robin, including at Browning's Knoll home, there was a, an escape chute? Yeah, so there was an escape chute uh, hidden away out of sight, obviously, with a motorbike at the end of that chute. And when Gardy searched it, they kind of discovered that you can't, you couldn't enter the house uh, from outside using that chute but there was a ladder leading down to it to I suppose assist somebody escaping from the house if they had to this is obviously at the uh, height of that feud that Hutch Kinnan feud and Browning obviously had serious concerns for his own welfare now there's nothing to suggest that Browning was directly involved in any I suppose murders as part of that feud but certainly he did have fears for his own safety and it shows the level of security that these people were uh, were putting into their homes at the time yeah, his his family members um, have denied the cab claim. Yeah, so Justice Alexander Owens um, allowed and granted orders to the cab to seize around 1.7 million worth of assets. But he also made a point that uh, certain assets can't be sold or family members of Ross Browning must be paid back. They ruled that the cottage in the Nile, it can be sold, but cab must give 25% of the value of that cottage to his mother, Julie Conway, and her partner, who's a former guard at David O'Brien, and another €103,000 must be given to another cousin. Now, the judge said this was done to ensure that no disproportionate enrichment of the state is made at the expense of some relations of Browning who have lost out or will lose out because they facilitated Ross Brown's activities in relation to these properties. So Robin, let's go back to the, the passport. Um, under the name of Seamus Walsh, Daniel Kinnahan was able to travel with ease, I would imagine. Where did he go? Well, he went uh, far and wide. Now, in court, it must be said, Detective Garda McKenna said that it was used to travel, but he wasn't going to go into that detail at this moment. But it's my understanding from sources that Daniel Kinnan used that passport to travel both in Europe and further fields to Dubai. Um, specifically, he would have used the passport Seamus Walsh to travel to Dubai in late 2015. Now, one of those travel dates was in around September. This was a few weeks before Gary Hutch was shot dead, a nephew of the monk, and the killing that ultimately led to that feud. At uh, the beginning of that feud, that feud escalating at least. 
Another time he travelled to Dubai was in around mid-November 2015. And the significance of that date is that um, a week earlier, there was an attempt on Daniel Kinnan's life at the Red Cow Morn Hotel where a boxing event was taking place with senior cartel members. Um, now, obviously, nobody was harmed, a uh, gun jammed. One of his associates, Liam Rowe, also escaped with his life. But it seems that uh, within the week of that, Daniel Kinnan travelled to Dubai under this uh, assumed name and was obviously going to great lengths, obviously not just to hide himself from law enforcement, but also to make sure that people who were after him and making active threats to kill him couldn't find out where he was. So it gives a bit of an insight into how far he managed to travel with what was quite clearly not his own passport and how he managed to evade uh, border protection officers, law enforcement um, for so long. And are there indications that other members of the cartel would have also travelled on other passports? There certainly have been investigations into that. I know uh, Ross Browning, the cab target last week, he was being investigated for using a false passport. Now, that investigation, I understand, uh, has been finalised. I don't think he'd be prosecuted over it. There was also an investigation into Christopher Kinnan Jr., who was using false travel documents to travel to Germany. And Christy Kinnan Sr. has also been investigated for the same offences. So that's just four we know of and four very senior members of that gang. And there's no doubt that, you know, lower level or people on the same level as them have also been using false documents to escape law enforcement, police officers and the people who are trying to uh, murder them as part of that feud. This might be a silly question, but do we know where Daniel Kinahan is at the moment? Well, I don't think anybody knows for definite, apart from a few close people, where exactly he is. You know, the latest intelligence I think available to Gardy is that he's still in the United Arab Emirates, that he's moving constantly to try evade any attempts to capture him or extradite him, both to here and to the USA, potentially if he faces any charges there. What we do know is that in a cab case uh, last year, the Bureau made efforts to serve papers on, do- on addresses linked to him as part of that. Uh, those US sanctions imposed, they are unsuccessful, they didn't manage to do so. So certainly the known address for him, he doesn't appear to be living there anymore. But Gardy certainly believe that he's still in the United Arab Emirates uh, and trying to stay out of the reach of law enforcement. And are the Kinnahans able to expand their criminal empire when there's so much of a global spotlight on them? That's a good question. I think there's always capacity for a crime gang of that size to if not expand, at least keep going and keep the show on the road. They've obviously been hit with serious sanctions. Their name, um, in terms of trying to legitimise their own business and Daniel Kinnan trying to legitimise himself as a boxing promoter, uh, that's just not existing at the moment with those sanctions. But in the world of, I suppose, organised crime, that doesn't carry much weight. People still do deals. Um, so I think there is still potential for them to keep operating. But uh, those days... Gardaí would certainly hope and other law enforcement across the world, the DEA, um, Europol and the UK's National Crime Agency, they'd certainly hope that those days are numbered. I know that on Tuesday of last week, um, Assistant Garda Commissioner Justin Kelly said authorities in Ireland, the US and the UK are working together to tackle the transnational crime. But, um, you know, will this have any effect at all or impact on on the Kinahans and how they operate? I think it will have a significant impact and it already has. You know, their operation here, if not dismantled, it's certainly not what it used to be. They're relying a lot more on, I suppose, cartel members in Spain operating there, um, running drug importation routes into mainland Europe, into the UK as opposed to here, just because the spotlight has been on them so much here. 
Financially as well, we had a main sort of money launderer for the cartel and other gangs, Johnny Morrissey, arrested in Spain last year. Uh, and that's probably the hardest brunt to take for a crime gang when, you know, all the hard work goes into selling product, um, bringing it in, selling it. The money is the key to that. And when the money man goes and the money's impacted, that's when it really starts to cripple a crime gang. So, you know, it's still a waiting game. I think we will see the end of it at some stage, but, you know, We've been talking about the fears, the end of the cartel, and it's coming to an end, but we can only really say that for sure when the likes of Daniel Kinnan and that leadership are in handcuffs and facing prosecution. If not here, then in another country. And if the Kinnahans end up having to lie low for a little while, I would imagine there are other organised crime gangs more than willing to step into their shoes. Definitely, it's a it's an age-old thing. You know, one crime gang goes and the other one takes its place and that's no different. There are other crime gangs operating in Ireland that may not be at the same level as Kinnan's, but certainly are uh, are significant organisations that Gardy would have concerns about operating here and internationally. And the same goes for other gangs uh, in mainland Europe who, I suppose, have been operating maybe in the shadow of the Kinnan's. Um, so there's always an outfit to step in and, you know, one goes, uh, it's on to the next one. And that's always the uh, the constant fight for guardian police forces. That there'll always be a gang. There'll always be there'll always be another Kinnans. Maybe not as big as what we've seen here, but certainly there will always be someone to target and to to uh, operate drugs in this country. And you mentioned that Seamus Walsh will be sentenced in April. That will be a busy month, um, Robin, because we were expecting a verdict in the uh, Regency shooting, the murder trial of of Jerry Hutch. Yeah, so that judgment is set to be delivered on April 17th by the Special Criminal Court. Now, Ms Justice Tara Byrne said that if they come with a decision earlier, they'll bring the con- the court back earlier. But it's looking like April 17th, and I suppose it will be a finale in some way to uh, the drama that has been this uh, trial, which has been you know followed by people across the country. It's really kind of gripped the, uh, the public's attention. The centre of it has to be remembered that not only are we talking about three people's liberties, if they're found guilty or not guilty, we're also talking about uh, the victim, David Byrne, who was a victim at the end of the day, regardless of involvement with organised crime. And uh, his family will still be looking for justice on that day. So that really has to be the central point of any kind of discussion about it as well. Also, it has to be remembered that you know somebody did lose their life at the end of all this. And my thanks to Irish independent journalist Robin Schiller for joining me today. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by myself, researched by Paul Highland with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from RTE, Virgin Media, Sky News, Europol and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.